Good afternoon, friends. Welcome to another grand and glorious day in the best little city in America, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, where we will spend a couple hours here on the Patrick Lally Show, engaged in, yes, you know it, energetic and entertaining conversation on local, state, national news and politics. We're going to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, nostalgia. Got some nostalgia in our future here on the show today, and we're quite happy that you're here with us. Uber producer Dan Peters is in studio. Thanks for spending some time on your radio, Information 1000 KSOO, or streamed live at KSO.com or on the KSO mobile app. Uh, the app. Don't forget about the app. If you don't have the app right now, you're missing out, people. You got to go, you got to get yourself that app, KSOO. It's not even hard to remember. It's K S. O, O. You put that into your uh, platform there, your whatever application platform you use, and uh, boom, KSOO, and you can get this show live, or you can get news and updates from the staff here at Results Radio, a little weather, all that kind of good stuff. And uh, we're also on the Facebook Live. You know, you can look behind the scenes here and uh, see a, a bald man talking to a microphone. I mean, who wouldn't want to do that? That's just plain good radio right there. That's good watching. That's good Facebook living. That's that's taking you inside the studio, putting you in places where you normally wouldn't be able to go. That's an experience that you cannot get elsewhere. That's like having the banana split, but then you don't have the cherry on top. So if you are just listening to this via the other methods traditionally, mm-hmm. you're having the banana split. Yeah. But if you've got the Facebook Live, you've got the cherry on top of it. <laughs> uh, also, uh, on Twitter, at P. Lally Show, I, this is the cherry on top. That's awesome. Dan, I never really thought about it that way. But now now that you say that, I, I see it. I feel it. Bright red maraschino. A maraschino cherry. And what's better than a bright red maraschino? You ever notice, though, like if you had a jar of maraschino cherries and you just start eating them? By about the third one, you're like, a maraschino cherry on its own, not that great. On a banana split, perhaps in a uh, Shirley Temple, then they're good, you know, mixed with other things. Yeah, you you drink the juice from the jar of the maraschino cherries, (laughs) (laughs) your your blood sugar spiking (laughs) soon to happen. It makes my teeth hurt just thinking about that. Um yeah. Hey, how was your weekend, by the way? It was beautiful out, wasn't it? It was tremendous. Yeah. And I didn't even mow my lawn because I, I look at the forecast and I'm thinking, you know, it's not going to rain and the grass is not going to gain much more while my neighbors around me, they're on their third mow of the week. I'm, <laughs> Come on. No. You don't I, need to do that. I didn't, I didn't mow the lawn either. I was down in Pella, as I said, uh, Last week I was going uh, racing, cyclocross racing on my bike down in Pella, and I uh, had had a marvelous weekend down there. My lips are chapped; it kind of hurts. Right now, I wish I had some like some chapstick of some sort, some medicated lip balm, unused, of course. Yeah, now, I don't want to. I don't want any, I'm not going to borrow somebody's lip balm. I should have stopped at the convenience store and got myself some because they're chapped from being out in the sun and riding the bike and everything. Yeah, and probably a little breeze, too, mm-hmm. had a little effect on that. Mm-hmm. And so, I got sunburned a little bit, which is not, not good for me. You don't get sunburned in September. You don't even think about it. But I had my sandals on for a while when the other races were going on, when the kiddos were racing and everything. And, uh, and JP, who crushed it, by the way. I, I wish I could play you some video. But uh, so I had sandals on. And, like, between the lines of my sandals, you know, between the little bands, my feet got sunburned. You figure by September your skin would be toned enough mm-hmm. or from those the, sandals. To the be sun able. just wouldn't be that intense. You know what I'm saying? I, I've worn sandals all summer. I don't know why this weekend the sun chose to burn my feet, but it did. And uh, but but it was a it was a lovely weekend of racing down there in Pella. And I'd never spent any time in Pella, which is south uh, of Des Moines, a little ways. Uh, and it's uh, one of those Dutch towns, you know, like Orange City. Um. It's, but it's bigger. I would say, you know, nothing against my friends in Orange City, but they, they don't have it quite on the scale of Pella, right? 
They've got a, uh, a like a full-scale old-school windmill there in Pella. You know, one of the ones that you see like, you know, in, from the 50s in, in, in Holland. And it was built in Holland, and it's just just monstrous thing there, uh, and very very much a themed kind of town. It was, but it was lovely. I'd been through Pella before, like for work, back in the day, covering politics and stuff. But I'd never stopped in Pella, and so we had a lovely time there. And uh, uh, my racing was, um, let's just say, uh, enlightening. Uh, very, I, I'm still wheezing in the lungs from the. <laughs> from the exertion uh, and first day, not so bad. Second day uh, I flatted like within the first three, 400 yards and uh, I just DNF'd and then I got in, I could call I was racing with the old guys and then I had to get out of that race cause I flatted and then I got in another race with uh, that I qualified for, but a bunch of young, just punks and it was not, Actually, they weren't even that punkish. They were just faster than me, and it wasn't good. It was not pretty. How big of a draw are those cyclocross races? So how wide of an area does, does like a Pella race? Is that a lot of Iowa, some yeah. Missouri, yeah. some A lot of Iowans. Illinois. And then, uh, folks from Omaha. A lot of Omaha-Lincoln people there. There you go. And then uh, uh, us. But uh, then when they're up in northern Iowa, basically you get a lot of Minnesota people. So it's regional racing. That's how you draw there. It was, it was a good crowd there. A lot of really cool people. We had, we did just have a blast. And uh, thanks to all the people in Pella who probably aren't listening, unless they're online. But more racing coming up through the course. Everybody's getting ready for the big trek thing in uh, the Waterloo, uh, Wisconsin, which is right outside Madison. World Cup. World Cup. Back-to-back World Cups in uh, Waterloo, Wisconsin, and then Iowa City, Iowa. So everybody's very excited about that. But I, yeah, I, uh, it was, it was, I knew this was going to happen. It was hard. It was hard because I'm, I'm carrying around the food baby and the food baby always, uh, makes it a little tougher, uh, to race against skinny guys. So, but I'm, I'm getting up off the deck, man. I'm getting, I'm back into it. This, there's racing this weekend in Lincoln. Maybe go down to Lincoln, hang out with the Nebraska people. Yeah, got to get the got to get the wind. Yep, got to get the wind. Got to get the legs. Got to lose the food, baby. It's, it's really not that complicated. Anyway, what'd you do? <laughs> I didn't mow my lawn. I thought it was about and it. I think right? I might have added to my food, baby. <laughs> there you go. Church picnic yesterday. Oh, well, there you yeah. go. Ooh, baked beans, coleslaw. Yeah, and fried chicken. Yep, there was fried chicken. Yeah, and and you have to sample the different desserts. Mm. And so there was, there was one piece left in one particular pan. I think it was kind of a, it was, I, I talked to the person who made it. It was basically crescent rolls mm. and cream cheese <laughs> with everything kind of doctored up with cinnamon and sugar. Oh, I was like, there's one left. I was like, Oh, I'll just cut it in half. Yeah. Just, Don't you cut just, that in half. Take the whole thing. Then the pan's done. Yeah. And you did, didn't you? So I'm the guy to do it. So was there like a church lady situation where there's like, People out cooking fried chicken and that kind of thing, or no? Actually, sort of we in. we yeah we bring in the fruit fried chicken, bring in the fried chicken, but everyone else okay. provides the sides and the salads and and other main dishes if they so desire. It's classic. That's a, that is a classic gathering, isn't it? Yes, and actually there was kind of a, a taco salad what? dip kind of thing that had cornbread in it, and it was Ooh. actually really good. That does sound good. Your weekend all of a sudden sounds a lot better than mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't flat, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, we've got a great show for you today. Uh, our guests include uh, Democratic congressional candidate Tim Bjorkman. He will be here for the entire hour beginning at 4 o'clock, and we'll talk politics. Of course, he is locked in a battle for South Dakota's lone U.S. House seat with Republican Dusty Johnson, and so we will, we will mix it up beginning at 4 o'clock. The Buffalo Maiden is making a rare back-to-back appearance for Weird Friends. Last week we talked about uh, the class reunion, uh, our, our, uh, 80, the 1983 class. So she went to that. So we'll get a report and find out if anybody asked about me. And then uh, I'll have a P&L statement just after the next break, today's topic. Where we're going, we don't need any roads. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO.
320 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO, and it's time for the PL statement. The time of day when we look through the news and find those things that uh, disturb us, uh, make us happy, push us over the edge, make us want to curl up in the fetal position. Uh, today, a couple things. First of all, I just want to mention this small item I saw uh, just recently today, and or just earlier today, and it was uh, a fact check from... Uh, the New York Times, and you know these are always good. Trump falsely claims GDP growth is higher than unemployment for the first time in 100 years. Uh, so apparently, um, uh, Donald J. Trump, President of the United States, uh, tweeted this out. Uh, it was today, 6:30 a.m. He said the GDP rate 4.2 percent is higher than the unemployment rate 3.9 percent for the first time in over 100 years. Well, <laughs> it's not just wrong; it's like massively, completely wrong. In fact, it's happened uh, in 185 months since 1948, okay, which isn't even 100 years. Since 1948, it has happened 185 months. Most recently, the first quarter of 2006, the gross domestic product grew at a rate of 5.4%, while the unemployment rate was 4.7 in January, 4.8 in February, and 4.7 in March. And the biggest positive gap between... Quarterly gross domestic product growth rate and unemployment occurred in September 1950. At that time, the American jobless rate was 4.4%, and the gross domestic product increased at 16, 16.5% in the third quarter, a difference of 12 points, which, you know, post-World War II, we were in a massive expansion, and that's, that's a difference. But, I don't, you know, let's just say 100 years. We're not going to base this on any actual fact. We're just going to say mm, 100 years. I mean, it doesn't... Uh, where does he get it from? That's my question. Whoever is giving him this information, you know, now maybe the president doesn't have enough time to go and do the research. This I understand. But somebody gave, somebody told him this, right? Well, that person should be fired immediately for giving him such terrible information. Now, sometimes things are open to interpretation, right? This is good. This is bad. Da, 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 this is his fault. This is that person. Bah, 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 but this is just flat out wrong. And now you're going to hear people saying this all, you know, you'll be sitting at your local watering hole and say, somebody say, oh, Donald Trump, first time in 100 years of GDP is a, no, it's just, it's not even, it's not even just, it's not even close. It's so far from the truth that the truth has been obliterated at this point. Why worry about facts when you can just make stuff up on Twitter? (laughs) I wasn't going to even, I, you know, I wasn't even going to talk about that today. I got a whole other thing here I wanted to talk about. And um, that just makes me mad because facts are facts, right? I mean, just you, you, can, you can have arguments and disagreements, but th- that's just wrong. And it's not that hard to check. These facts, the, the, the source of this story is the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis, the Bureau of Labor Statistics and the Bureau of Economic Analysis. All quality, reliable organizations that actually know what they're talking about. First time in 100 years. You know, now I'm out of time. I really am. I'm not even going to be able to get to what I wanted to get to, which was uh, uh, Scott Walker in Wisconsin, Republican Governor Scott Walker, saying actual reasonable things about transportation. I'm not even going to get there because I'm so mad about this. And I just saw this. Right. A whole story about uh, uh, Barack Obama, former President Barack Obama, trying to uh, set some records straight on uh, Trump claiming credit for the economy, which is true. What's he doing? I mean, you reasonable people can disagree on whether or not the tax cuts help the economy grow. But you can't say that the economy sucked before. You just can't say that. All right. Because it's just not true. Let's start dealing in some actual facts. I mean, not even like detail facts, just the big ones. All right. Just the macro facts. Let's not even worry about the little stuff that people might get wrong, right? That they might misstate. Let's talk about the big actual facts. Quit screaming and yelling about how great you are. All right. And deal with facts and deal with the actual economy. Because when it goes bad, and we're in the longest sustained job growth in the history of the country. And when it goes bad, 
and it will, then you're to blame. You want credit for all the good stuff? I'm going to show up your damn door the day it goes bad and say, what did you do wrong? Uh, Democrats' fault. How'd Barack Obama screw this up? Facts. Just do some rudiment. This is like, you know, this is the stuff they teach you in freshman composition class in college. Probably longer, probably English class freshman year in high school. They would teach you not to do that. You get a big check mark in a circle and say, check your facts. F. Fail. It's ridiculous. Take credit for the things you can take credit for. Don't take credit for the things that aren't even true. Wrong. Thank you. That's the bottom line on today's PL statement. Agree or disagree, you can email me, Patrick at KSO.com. I'll talk about Scott Walker at some other point. Follow us on Twitter at P. Lally Show and throw us a comment there on occasion. That'd be cool. Coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, we're going to talk with the Buffalo Maiden. That always puts me in a better frame of mind. That'd be good. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. Thirty-five on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. That, of course, is uh, REM Radio Free Europe, although not the version I thought it was, and I'm kind of disappointed because I wanted to bring in the Buffalo Maiden in style on a rare yeah. Monday appearance. But, uh, you know, it's fine. It's REM. It's from the 80s, and that's what I was, that's what I was going for. Buffalo Maiden, uh, I, first of all, I'm, I just got to warn you. I'm, I'm just... I'm all of a sudden I'm just in a terrible mood. Terrible. I terrible know mood. you're like crabby pants on a Monday. I know. Well, I was doing fine, except now my lips hurt because they're chapped from racing, and my face is kind of. I've got sunburn. My face kind of hurts. And you know what? All what? of that, all of that could have been avoided if you would have came to our class reunion on Friday and Saturday night. I know. I you would be relaxed. You'd be happy. You would be. Oh my gosh. How much fun can can you have with people that you've known for 38 years or 40 years? Yeah, so it's the 35th reunion, which means we started mm-hmm. like, well, what, 79. like 1979, we entered. But a lot of us knew each other, you know, from like yeah. I went to Laura Wilder, you went to Cathedral yeah. probably, huh? Yeah, and yeah. so we had all those people. So many, many, some of those people I've known since I was five. Oh, wow. Okay, you're ahead of me because I wasn't living here. But um, it was awesome. It was so great, and it was so fun to see everybody. And you wanted me to say uh, Pat Lally says hi, and, and he then, wishes he could be here. And then write down, and you know, the, and then write down, and write the, down the responses. Yeah. My favorite response was somebody, you know, when, when those comedians, they take a drink and then they spray <laughs> their water? <laughs> that one was awesome, except that I was at the receiving end of the spray. So, um but that was pretty funny. And, the, yeah, there was a couple of good people that were hoping that you were there because yeah. they do. Uh, you know, it, it's really fun to go back and, and um, be with people that, you know, were part of your life for yeah. a, a long time. A, uh, a formation, for, uh, what do we call that, when we were, uh, you know, our roots were being established. That's our, it. That's the word. Our younger days. And uh, yeah. so it was, and, I saw oh my some gosh. photos. We were, yeah, lovely, huh? Mm-hmm. Um, I think they were all blurry, and we just have to tell you there was only one photographer, and they're all blurry. But um, <laughs> it was fun. It was great. I mean, you just laughed and laughed and laughed and uh, just uh, heard about people, and everyone's doing really well. So it was a good time, and we were out till 2 a.m. What? 2 a.m., and then I had to get up and drive across the state of South Dakota the next morning and and open my restaurant, and, and we are so busy out in the Black Hills right now. It's crazy. So you drove back it's on Saturday. It's now than the summer. Yeah, Saturday morning. 
you drove over here on Friday, stayed up all night, and then drove back on Saturday. Yeah, that's what a girl does when you own your own business, right? Living the dream. That that (laughs) is impressive. At our age? At our age, it's pretty impressive. And then today, we, you know, I own this little building here and we mm-hmm. have apartments that you have stated mm-hmm. and I've decided to rearrange all of the apartments to get ready for the fall uh, tenants. So um, luckily I have two lovely Jamaican women and m- those girls are strong. <laughs> don't, me- don't mess with Jamaica, man. They are strong. We haul leather couches upstairs of, uh, you know, flights of stairs and no problem. No problem, mom. I got it. <laughs> they just they took care of you. That's good. I don't care. They just took it. <laughs> I don't want you like pulling a back or something. You know what I mean? I know at my at our age. No, I, no. I know. And then because you are an independent businesswoman, you that would be bad. Like if you were yeah, laid up for a while, it would be like uh, okay. So here's some millennials in my life that all own their own little businesses. These mm-hmm. guys, these are the men that um, how the guys acted at about one. 30 in the morning on uh, our reunion, they started kind of rustling, you know, ruffling, toughing each other. But these guys in town here own their own businesses and they're in their 30s and they go out on their four wheelers and they flip them and cut their heads open and whatever and have <laughs> long term injuries. Or they take their motorcycles out. Now the kid next door just broke his collarbone. I mean, like, broke his collarbone, like, sticking out broke collarbone. Hey. And then, honey, you can't do that when you own a business. I need to teach a course. Yeah, you should. You could. You and should then, have a show. And then he wants to talk about renewing his lease. <laughs> like, uh, after okay, yeah, he no. uh, after he broke his collarbone. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, what's he going to do then? I don't know. I'm like, uh, for six months, you can't like move your. You got a pin in there, and you're not supposed to move. I I, I don't I don't get it. But so what do you mean? See, these are the things that we deal with. You know, or we got to make your mood lighter. Um, yeah. What else can? <laughs> What else can we talk about? The leaves are turning. Oh, my gosh. You should come out to the... If you don't get to Spearfish Canyon in the next... Uh, in 10 days. Yeah. You're going to peak in 10 days. I'm not going to make it. Okay. But maybe to, other people that are important will come out. I Maybe. Maybe some of the people who are at the reunion will come out there and hang out with you. We actually have... Uh, Custer, uh, right now, the, the big, huge trees are all gold. You're kidding me. I'm not kidding. I'm freaking out. It's so soon. Is it cold so there? Um, at night it is, yes. So that's why, that's why they're turning. Yeah. Mm. That's pretty awesome. Uh, but you did miss, what else did you miss? You missed a good time, man. You didn't go to the, you didn't go to the Coda Bowl then. You didn't hang out for that. No, no. I, yeah. You know, something about, I don't know. Football. Yeah, 40 years. And they want 40 years of the Dakota Bowl. And they got brand new green uniforms this year. I think last year, last week we were talking about how they didn't have those uniforms, but they got new ones. They were green. Oh, for, for the cathedral days. Yeah, for playing Washington. Your people. They, my people. They were, very, they were very cool uniforms. I was kind of surprised that they went through with that because it was a lot for one game. Yeah. You know what I mean? Now you've got, well, you know, we've got the big Mickelson trail ride coming up this weekend. Aren't oh, you I going know. after that? I, and that's, I that is a fabulous event. It's sold out, but who cares? Because people just ride anyways. So there's 800. Um, and, you know, they kind of, it's kind of, it's interesting to me that they sell it out. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking about 100 miles of trail here. Yeah, but so, they do it over three days. I know. You could, you know, people want to do it. And, I mean, you know, this is a huge fundraiser for the for the state, uh, or for the trail, too. Is that what it you is? You could sell as many as you wanted to. I didn't know that I mean, it was, that it, so the money goes to the, the people, yeah. And half the people don't even ride, or they might ride the first day, and that's it. So, but they, they cap it because they don't want to get too many people out there? I don't know. Why. Yeah, because of transporting people back and forth, but half mm-hmm. the people just put their cars, you know, they do their own transporting back and forth. So um, it would be good if they just, you know, open it up. I mean, it's huge. Do they start the at your end or do they start at the other end? They, you know what they do is they start, uh, they bust them all down to Edgemont on Friday, uh, Thursday morning, and they uh, ride up to Custer, and then they party like rock stars Thursday <laughs> night, and then half of them, or maybe a fourth of them, ride the next day to Rochford. <laughs> <laughs> and then from Rochford, uh, uh, they bust them up there, and then they go from Rochford to Deadwood on Sunday, so and then they go home. Some people take Friday off. 
I think a lot of people take Friday off. <laughs> because the big party night is in uh, Custer, apparently. It's in Custer. Oh, my gosh, it's awesome. So you'll Very be fun. busy on Thursday. Although I got to say, last year, there were a lot more serious cyclists. You know, like they had real bikes and they had gear, because you like gear. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, they, they had... there was a lot more gear heads. <laughs> but everybody in that ride is really old, right? It's mostly yeah. old people. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to be retired if you're going on a bicycle ride on a Thursday. Well, it just seems like the people, God bless them. I, I take nothing away from them. But, mm-hmm. you know, they've got, generally speaking, they have the money, you know, they, oh, yeah. to buy the gear so they can be yeah. their own gearheads and they can hang out and they, get yeah. the, they all got the special coats and stuff. Yeah. Well, and they have, you know, yeah, they have matching gear, you know, outfits um, or colors and stuff. They used to ride. You know, it used to be fun, and they would ride. They'd have bottles of wine in the back, and, yeah. and they're, you know, and but no, that is, I don't think that happens anymore. Well, they're now old. they want pasta and salmon, <laughs> and so and they and they want to eat, and they go to bed early, and they want to ride. But I think there'll still be a big party. I think this year we're gonna it's gonna turn it around. It's gonna go back to its old days. That would be great. I have, I I've always wanted to actually do it because it's a it is a wonderful ride. And there uh-huh. used to be a ride called the Big Mick that they would do it all in one day. One day? I knew several people that did that. Yeah, and people still do that. And that's a lot. I mean, it's like 110 miles, right? Yeah. My brother does uh, from Custer to Deadwood in a day or, you know, what a half a day or whatever. That's not bad. The Edgemont up. Eh, yeah, I know. It's not much of a trail either until uh-huh. you get to Custer. So there you go. Uh, what but, was I say? Oh, sure. oh, you got to go. Oh, no, somebody was I'm, I'm going to take Edgemont. a break. I'm going to take a break okay. and we're going to come right back, okay? okay? Okay. We'll be right back with the Buffalo Maiden and uh, here on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. I choose my friends, far too well, I'm up on the pavement, and they're all down in the cell with their government grants. And my IQ, they brought me down to size, academic blue. 48 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO, and we return to our conversation with the Buffalo Maiden, checking in from the Black Hills Bureau on Weird Friends. Uh, and uh, Buffalo Maiden, before we went to the break, I was I was kind of slagging on that part of the bike trail, or the Mickelson Trail from Custard Edgemont. I, you know, I've never really been on it. I just know that there's not much out there. What is there anything actually out in Edgemont? <laughs> there is. You know what? Uh, well, there's a great bar down in Edgemont, but... Um, Okay, so here's the creepy thing about Edgemont that I don't understand because, you know, science class was not my strongest. But they don't use water heaters down there. Uh, what? Because, okay, so their water is hot when it comes out of the uh, ground. Oh, I don't know, out of their pipes. Now, is that like the creepiest thing you've ever heard? Like, wouldn't you want to know why? Or is that not? I mean, you know, we always say that the uranium down there uh, and everybody's... You know yeah. how you make jokes about it, but I mean, you kind of make jokes about it, but there's got to be a reason. Yeah, that's like weird. Well, is it, it's close. I mean, is it because Hot Springs is the, over there, not that far. Yeah, but away, Hot right? Springs is warm. I mean, you know, they're not hot. You've been, have you ever been down to Cascade Falls? No. Where is that? Oh, okay. So it's south of Hot Springs down. Okay. Uh, Cascade used to be a, a town back in the 1800s that was like a resort town because the railroads went by. And people would come and they'd swim in the pools and um, and it was this town, but it's completely gone You're except kidding. for one building and a gazebo. <laughs> a and gazebo. Was, uh, Good thing the gazebo yeah. lasted. I know you need a gazebo. <laughs> that was <laughs> that was a big talk the other night or a big joke on Saturday Night Live. But anyways, um, uh, Cascade Falls is warmer than Hot Springs, and it's these pools, these natural pool. It used to be just on private property but now you know obviously it's built up and there's a there's a changing room and lots of signs for rattlesnakes but those, that's minor but so okay but okay Edmont, so that doesn't Edmont, make any sense still it still doesn't i think you guys need to hear some uh investigating reporting you should probably do and get back to me on this next week on my show well if, i mean on your show <laughs> if they don't well you can have the show you, you should have your own show the uh uh here's my question though if they don't have water heaters what if you want like a cool glass of water? You just want, you know what I'm saying? I don't think you get it. I think it's. I think your toilets are hot. The toilets I mean, are you're hot. Like, you're getting the little steam buns all the time. Oh. I don't think toasty I mean, buns. Sure you get some toasted doing. buns every time you, you got to do with your business. Buns. 
It's like a bidet, but you don't have to pay for it. <laughs> I don't know, and and it doesn't flash up. I Maybe guess. Maybe this I don't is know. this is the great secret of why people live in Edgemont is the warm. I don't think many people live in Edgemont, and if they do, they don't live there long. But because um, of the radiation, you know, or what? I don't know. It's the weirdest thing, but it's not far from Igloo, and you know that's where we're building the. That's where we're getting our bomb shelter. What is going on I've out put, there? Honest to God. They, you have got to come out here. <laughs> are the are the, the 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 branch Davidians or whatever still camped out out there? Oh yeah. Oh my god. No 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 not the branch Davidians. I know. Are you talking about the um? They're the splitter. They're some sort the of SDLSers. Or yeah, the, uh, some splinter group from the Mormon Church. Yeah. I'm not oh. saying anything bad about Mormons. It's splinter. Oh it's like gosh, a cult group. Huge. It is. It's huge. And there are I I don't know. They estimate three to five hundred people living out there. And the children... Um, Nobody has any birth certificates? Right. Right. Maybe they're all and there for the warm toilets. Well, they might be, but they haul water in it. There's no water where they're at either, so the trucks go at night hauling water. Maybe they're getting water. Maybe they're just... They're get, I don't know. Buying it in Edgemont. And Maybe then, they're getting that 11th toe or something. I'm not sure. Is that... What, that so was, where is that place? I mean, wave cats. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the FDLS place? Yeah, where is that? It is south on um, eighty nine, south of Pringle by Argyle. Oh, it's by Pringle, that's right. Well, mm-hmm. nothing good ever happened in Pringle. No, but there's some property there for sale. I was thinking about you. It's cheap property. You can have a rock shop because it's already there, and you get to buy the rocks. So, And it's not too expensive, and you the mobile home probably needs to go. But um, <laughs> I was thinking, there's your future, man. Yep, And then you rocks. can help. Selling rocks and Pringle. The bicycle yeah. sculpture that fell down this winter. Oh, that's right. Maybe I could re- recapitulate that. Yeah. See? Not to take you away from your job, though, but no, just to I give you hope. That. Now, I, you know what, though? You did a fine job of, like, trying to change my mood. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I'm still mad about this. I'm still mad Somebody about this Trump thing. Did, were there any other comment here? Were there any comments, other comments from the class reunion other than the spit take? <laughs> yeah, but all I can remember is everybody just bursting out laughing when I said, Tal Alley wishes he could be here. <laughs> and people just burst out laughing. Well, I guess that's better than, you know, than going, well, expletives. Well, that, that old son of a son That murder. Yeah. 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 All right. Yeah. No, well, thanks was, for the report anyway. All right. All right. I'll all talk right. to you next week. Sounds good. Buffalo Maiden on Weird Friends checking in from the Black Hills Bureau. Uh, friend, we learn, don't ever go to Edgemont. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000. K-S-O-O. Know your rights. 3.58 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 K-S-O-O. Here is a good thing to get involved with. From now through September 30th, the Great American Milk Drive. One in four children go hungry. Milk is an essential part of a child's diet. The next time you're checking out your groceries at any Sioux Falls Hy-Vee, tell them you would like to donate either a half gallon or a full gallon of milk to the Great American Milk Drive. Your donations help Feeding South Dakota and provide milk to kids in your neighborhood who can't afford it. For more information on this or any other event, go to the calendar at KSO.com. Get involved, people. Coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters... Democratic congressional candidate Tim Bjorkman will be in the studio and will be talking for the hour about the issues that are important to you in this congressional race. That's all coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Four oh seven on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. And uh, we are just past Labor Day, which means that in the world of politics, things are a full gas. It is pedal to the metal, sprint to the midterms in November, the general election. And uh, I am very happy to have in studio with us today the Democratic nominee for the U.S. House of Representatives, Judge Tim Bjorkman. Judge Bjorkman, thanks for being here. Great to be with you, Patrick. Thanks for having me. So uh, you have been now out on the campaign trail for, as I said, there's only there's less than two months left. You, the yeah. end is near. Um, you've been out there for several months now. How do you feel? How's you holding up? 
Well, we're doing great, Patrick. We've uh, actually been in the race almost 14 months. Wow. We've traveled to about 150 communities all across the state and just spent a lot of time listening to people in their cafes and uh, gas stations up and down Main Street in their businesses and, and in some homes. And that's uh, just been a, a really a fascinating tour of our great state and, and very interesting. You were a circuit court judge for how long? A little over 10 years. And uh, that's a, that is a position that can be uh, both isolating and you... kind of lonely. You have to be the person that makes the decision and nobody's ever going to be happy with you. How does that, it's got to be a hard transition to being a politician who on the campaign trail, uh, it's just a different dynamic with people. Hmm. And I'm wondering what that was like for you going from being a judge to being a, uh, a politician, which I don't use that. I use that term as endearment Hmm. in my world. Yeah, you know they are they are different roles. Um, I I come at uh, this role with the same kind of approach that I took to to being a judge or for that matter before as a lawyer. And uh, you know I think you have to care more about people than the law, and you have to you know uh, you have to have a selfless service approach. Um, and the thing about serving as a judge that I think translates well for um, uh, our lone representative in Congress is there uh, that the individual carries out a nonpartisan role and it's my duty uh, to do what's right without regard to either fear or favor of either the parties. And, uh, you know, I think that's some pretty good experience and background for what we need in Congress because ultimately uh, we're making judgment decisions there um, representing our constituents, being their voice, their lone voice in Congress. And there's, uh, there's some value in having a lot of background and always just trying to do the right thing, Patrick. And uh, uh, just like on the bench, you're not going to make everyone happy. But you have to sleep at night. You have to know that, the, that that responsibility is yours alone. You can't shirk it. You can't pass it off on someone else. You've got to do the right thing and... Uh, and bear the burden of it if you don't. Uh, now, you're from over uh, in the Salem area, right? Did you, did you grow we, up over there? Or tell people where you, your, your roots. Yeah, we, we live in Canastota. We've lived there for almost 30 years, raised our four sons there. Uh, when I was elected to the First Circuit bench, I decided that my chambers would be in our home county, Salem, mm-hmm. uh, 14 miles away from home. So that's where it was. And I was the first circuit judge in McCook County, as it turns out. And uh, it, was, it was a great honor to be there and to serve the people of those 14 counties. My childhood was spent as the son of a depot agent, a railroad depot agent, Patrick. So when I was born, we lived in Parker. Ah. Spent my first four years there. I was born in Dr. Kemper's house in Viburg, South Dakota. He had his own house made into a makeshift hospital on the third floor for local people and uh, before the hospital in Viburg was built. And then uh, we moved to Draper, South Dakota, where we lived in the depot. I like to tell people my childhood home, Patrick, is now a museum <laughs> uh, because it's in the Pioneer Auto Museum. In Murdo. It's, it's called the 1906 Murdo Depot, but it was my home as a boy. We lived in that depot. My dad's uh, depot was on the southwest part of it, and we our house was on the kind of wrapped around the rest of it. That's amazing that you can go and see that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, and so Dave... Uh, Geisler out there, uh, you know, he'll he'll tell you the story of how he acquired it, and it's a fun it's a fun thing for us to stop by, and and it's a great place to to visit. Um, so then after that, by the time I started school, my family moved to Kimball uh, for first grade. I didn't, mm-hmm. didn't we didn't have a kindergarten in Draper, Patrick. So weird, I didn't, I didn't ever get to <laughs> kindergarten. But I started first grade and I went all through school in Kimball, graduated from there, and uh, spent my first two years at South Dakota State University. Still have all kinds of really great lifelong friends from there. Uh, Decided to go to law school, and and the the last year and a half I spent at the university and got my law degree there. And uh, And then your education really took off. Once you you moved to Vermillion, things got a lot better, right? (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, uh, that's... uh, 
I, I did a lot more studying at USD. Let me say it that way. <laughs> that's not usually the way it works in my experience, but that's fine. Yeah. That's good. So you ended up going to USD Law School and, uh, and uh, be, got out of law school and went right into practice? Well, actually, I met my wife uh, to be there. She was a year behind me in law school, and she graduated a semester after me. And we served as missionaries our first year. We wanted to give back a year of service, you know, just before we started a family, because we knew if we didn't, it would never happen. Mm -hmm. And so we worked with uh, isolated elderly people in the inner city, and then um, started our law practice in the little town of Bridgewater, hung up my shingle, Mm -hmm. uh, had worked with Woods Fuller here in town uh, uh, on a temporary basis before that, and they were good enough to let me keep working. I was kind of a staff attorney there probably for two and a half years Mm -hmm. as I got my law practice built up, and that really proved invaluable to me. I learned my law office skills and client skills really from those great teachers there and a lot of lifelong friendships from that. But yeah, then I uh, practiced in Bridgewater for 23 years until, uh, well, in 2002, the Chief Justice appointed me to the parole board. And so three, two, three, four days a month, I guess, uh, I would leave my law practice Mm -hmm. and do that uh, service, which is uh, service uh, that I have a great deal of respect for. All those board members who serve, uh, they get a little stipend every Mm -hmm. day, but they give up. Uh, a big chunk of their lives to try to uh, fulfill that citizenship duty uh, of serving on a board because we have one of the few citizen parole boards in the nation. Um, And then uh, in 2006, one of my mentors, uh, a lawyer from Kimball who became a a judge, retired and encouraged me to to Mm -hmm. run for that seat. And we didn't really know what that even would involve, but... uh, my wife and I uh, talked and prayed about it and decided we're, we're, we will do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, the people of the First Circuit elected me with uh, just under 74% of their vote. And we served then uh, a second term. I started a murder case actually here in Sioux Falls uh, the first day of my second term. Oh, I man. knew that that was going to go into another term. And so... Um, we did that, and then uh, it was in June of last year that I stepped down and mm-hmm. uh, gave some hard thought over the ensuing weeks as to whether uh, and um, we should make this step. Mm-hmm. And you've been on the trail ever since, right? Been on the trail ever <laughs> since. <laughs> well, that's cool. Uh, we're going to come right back and talk more with Tim Bjorkman. He is the Democratic candidate for the U.S. House of Representatives in the November general election. We'll After this short break, this is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. Daddy's little empire built by hands and built by slaves. From the sky we look so organized and brave. 421 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. And we are continuing our conversation with the Democratic candidate for the U.S. House of Representatives, in South Dakota, Tim Bjorkman. And uh, we hit a little bit of your bio there in the first segment. Um, let's talk about some issues. Uh, trade is a big issue here in South Dakota, international trade. Do you think that the recently announced deal that we that, uh, that uh, the president has uh, made with Mexico um, outside of, uh, of NAFTA is a sign of progress on trade, that we are moving forward somehow? Yeah, I think it's a little too uh, premature to say that. Um, Canada's still not part of it, and Mexico wants Canada to be part of it before anything's bound. Well, so. they're already in uh, in the TPP together, so whatever they do, they can't just step outside the TPP. Yeah, so there, there are moving parts going on, and uh, I think that, like so much else in the whole uh, trade, uh, budding trade war uh, remains to be uh, resolved. But I, th- but I think we've got a lot of cause for concern. I, I think uh, it's clear that there are some real trade violators internationally, uh, China probably chief among them. I'm disappointed and concerned with the approach uh, that's been unilateral and not really gathering uh, uh, a lot of nations uh, together to, uh, to drive China to the bargaining table and get the kind of uh, global deal that'll help move us forward. And, and, you know, 
what's happened as a result of it, and we could see it as early as April, as soon as these were announced, uh, uh, these tariffs were announced, was that our farmers are going to get shoved to the front line of a trade war that they uh, really have no other part in. And uh, steel and aluminum uh, industry in the east and a couple of major businesses uh, are being protected, but uh, we've got trade deals with China and other nations that took three decades, Patrick, to negotiate. You can remember uh, how we'd have delegations going over there and worked very hard for those. And uh, those are at risk of being um, dismantled now. And it's very hard once you lose those uh, trade relationships to reestablish them, as as we've seen in a lot of other uh, instances. So I, I'm very troubled by it. Uh, the, uh, you know, throwing some money at the farmer now is going to be little benefit. I think on corn, he's getting a penny a bushel, something like that. And uh, beans, uh, you know, we're seeing some historic lows, some decade-long lows in corns and corn and bean prices. And even if he gets a little bit of uh, taxpayer money to offset some of the uh, price decline, Patrick, that's not going to do the farmer any good when he sits across from his banker over the winter to talk about operating loans. Those corn and bean prices are going to be the same in sorghum and uh, so on. So there's some real concern out there. And, you know, farmer's got so many other things that are uh, unpredictable in his life. The family farmer does. And so now we've got a uh, tariffs uh, issue that's implemented, you know, and it, uh, just when they were getting ready to go into the field this spring, and uh, it's thrown off all ability to predict and uh, what they're what they're going to face now. So the 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 notion here seems to be well, it's not a notion; it's a declared policy to uh, sort of uh, uh, get rid of a globalist report globalist approach to international trade and do all these deals separately. Um, what is your just your general philosophy on international trade? Are the uh, multilateral globalist policies uh, better for uh, uh, not just South Dakota farmers, but the country as a whole? Or is it something that we do need to do uh, more strategically, individually with countries? Yeah. I, you know, every time we've tried to restrict trade, bad things have happened. That, that's just the simple reality of it. We saw it in the 20s as a run-up to the Depression. We saw it with the Russian wheat embargo. Uh, which was a prelude to the, the 80s farm crisis. I was one of those who fought to save family farms, uh, representing a lot of them in, in my early years in the, in the rural law practice. And this feels a lot like that. Um, we have people all across, all around the world who want to buy our products. We need to make them available. Uh, we need to use negotiating power uh, to drive the best deals. Uh, but we need to keep as few barriers to free trade, I think, is possible. And let's keep in mind something. This is a congressional responsibility, the regulation of international trade and the imposition of tariffs. Under the Constitution's uh, Article I, Section 8, those are reserved solely for Congress. And there's a reason that our constitutional framers said that no single person should be able to impose a tariff, which is a tax. And we're seeing it played out in a situation like this. You've got large numbers of uh, congressmen, including all three of ours, who, you know, proclaim that this is bad. Tariffs are bad. Uh, I have been saying since April, two months before they were imposed, when they were just threatened, Congress ought to take back its trade, uh, its uh, authority, rather, to regulate tariffs. That's a constitutional authority given to the president in limited circumstances of national emergency when the national security was at risk. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's for quite the case. For things like steel and for, you know, for, uh, uh, and food, but for yeah. strategic uh, elements that were needed in some sort of, whether it's a war effort or some sort of famine disaster or what have you. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and this is one of the instances where Dusty Johnson and I, uh, the Republican candidate, uh, have very uh, strong differences. Dusty... Uh, said that it would be t- too political for Congress to take back its its authority to, to impose tariffs. Um, that was a few months ago. 
But as the thing is has worn on, Dusty's changed his position, and now he agrees with me that, yes, Congress should take back its authority to regulate trade going forward. This has been a bad deal. Um, and that's okay. I, it's all right to shift positions. I just hope he would pick one and stay with it now for the rest of the campaign. All right. We'll be right back after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters with Tim Bjorkman, the Democratic candidate for the U.S. House of Representatives. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Uh-huh. 4.36 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we are chatting with Tim Bjorkman. He is the Democratic candidate for the U.S. House of Representatives in South Dakota against Dusty Johnson, the Republican, in the November general election that's coming up. Oh, geez, it's right around the corner. And uh, we've been talking about some different issues and uh, what's going on in the world. Um, you you mentioned earlier uh, uh, one issue uh, point that uh, you and Mr. Johnson initially disagreed on, and that had to do with Congress's power to regulate international trade, but give me some actual substantive substantive differences between you and Mr. Johnson. Give me three, just right off the top of your head. All right. Well, let's talk about term limits. Um, you know, that's a, that's a uh, position that I uh, took very early in the, in the campaign. There's a, a term limits amendment proposed in Congress, and you know the process. It's a very... A steep hill to climb, but uh, there's a movement in Congress to impose a term limit amendment, three terms in the House, two in the Senate. It's one that President Trump supports. President Obama has voiced uh, uh, some uh, support for the idea of term limits. I took that position almost a year ago, Patrick, um, and invited Dusty to weigh in. And so when Dusty uh, came out with his Dusty's Dozen, Number one was that he supports term limits. But you've got to look behind the mere mouthing of that uh, expression. It turns out what he really means is he doesn't support term limits. Uh, he doesn't support that plan at all, and he, doesn't, he opposes term limits at all for Senate. So he wants no term limits in the Senate. His proposal for the House is 12 years. Now, that sounds more like a career to me, but again, it's fine, whatever his position is, I just think we should be very careful to understand that we have very different positions. I support term limits. He really doesn't mm-hmm. for all practical purposes. Okay, there's purposes. one. The second has to do with health care. I think that that's the chief economic issue today, and it's uh, the fact that it is inaccessible to many in our state and too expensive for a whole host of others who are trying their best to pay for it, including a lot of small business owners, um, cries out for the need for real reform in health care. And the basic problem is it costs too much. We pay twice what the rest of the developed nations pay, 10000 a person here compared to 5000 for them. And we leave too many people out, which also drives up its costs. And I support fundamental reforms that uh, address what I think is part of the big problem. And the drivers of health care uh, costs over the last decade, no matter you know what program we have for paying for it, uh, is big pharmaceutical costs and big insurance costs. Can you throw the trial lawyers in there? Well, you know, all medical malpractice claims, counting all the legal fees, total 1% of the health care cost. You know, that's, that's the reality of it. We have to decide whether we want to have a system where people are held accountable for their wrong, for their wrongdoing. If you uh, harm somebody, should there be a way for you to have, have, have yourself made whole? As and much there are, money you know what I'm saying. There's a lot of people who claim that the, oh. uh, uh, you know, unlimited, that some, you know, wild uh, awards in cases is driving up malpractice insurance, which makes health care more expensive. Yeah, and you know, I... I the reality is that we already have caps on malpractice awards for uh, pain and suffering mm-hmm. and non-economic losses. But that's a whole other topic. The real drivers, big pharmaceutical costs and big insurance costs. And I, I uh, propose Congress being authorized to negotiate uh, with Big Pharma to lower the cost of the medication it buys by using its bulk purchasing authority. I think that that's something that 90% of the, South, of the uh, South Dakota public agrees with. 
Uh, Dusty hasn't joined me in that support. Do you do you support a single payer system, a Medicare for all, uh, or any of that uh, sort of broader? Uh, I don't want to call it socialization, but a single payer type system that would uh, uh, get rid of a lot of the insurance companies. No, I'm not a single pay- payer person, uh, Patrick. But I'll tell you this: I do support a Medicare option. Uh, because there are a lot of people out there, and again, small business owners as well as people on the lower end who are foreclosed from affordable health care. And uh, 75% of us receive some kind of a subsidy on health care, whether it's employer subsidy. You know, when I was a, a lawyer and a judge, I, got, I could deduct the cost of health care. It's about a five $6,000 a year benefit for me. Uh, but we're leaving these other people out who don't get any subsidy. And I don't think that's good for our economy. Uh, As a judge, I saw how many people are not in the economy because they're dealing with untreated mental health and addiction. Um, A lot of others are part of the 20 million Americans who have felony records that make it hard to work. But we have to get those people back in the workforce, making them taxpayers and not relying on government aid and and having their children um, being cared for, too. So what do you mean by a Medicare option, then? Why don't you explain that? If you don't have access to affordable care, you ought to be able to buy into Medicare. It's as simple as that. And It's a government health care uh, insurance plan. High, highly successful, mm-hmm. uh, very low administrative costs, and it'll give the insurers some competition. Would you wipe out uh, the ACA then, Obamacare? No, I wouldn't do that. But I'd, the, the fact is... The, if I have access to Medicare, if I can buy into Medicare, why do I need the ACA? For this simple reason, a lot of people, if you earn over 60000 as a couple mm-hmm. somewhere in there, you don't get any of the ACA credits. That's why people are paying so much for mm-hmm. health care in, the, in those uh, ranges. My wife Kay and I uh, just saw our health care costs go up 42% this year to $21,000 plus. Um, but then there's this other group. You know, we had a, an opportunity to have our federal tax dollars sent back to us in, in Medicaid expansion. Mm-hmm. And I sat on the bench and watched how Dusty, as chief of staff, and his uh, uh, administration rejected that. Uh, it cost us, compared to North Dakota, which is every bit as conservative as we are, mm-hmm. and took, took advantage of having their federal tax dollars sent back to them the first chance they had. They've gotten $270 million a year more than us, 270 a year. So they have 100,000 fewer people. You know, we're looking at a $300 million uh, cost per year of our federal money that isn't coming back to us, but that's going out to treat other people's poor. Because we chose not to take the Medicaid expansion. And those are the people I saw in the court system. So we've seen our prison population explode. We have right at 4,000. North Dakota has less than half what we have. They're treating their people's needs before they get into the system. We're not. So where do we treat them? We don't. We don't have any long-term meth treatment facility in the whole state, really, Patrick, except, you know where? The women's prison. Mm-hmm. It's fundamentally wrong to There's try some, to treat addiction only in prison. There are some private meth treatments, but it's very expensive. There are a few, and they have very few beds. Mm-hmm. But we're talking about a 16-month intensive therapeutic inpatient treatment program, the very kind that a lot of people with long-term meth addiction need. You know, I've been to uh, sheriff's offices all over the state and talked to lots of them, including uh, uh, Minnehaha County Sheriff uh, Mike Milstad, and every one of them have told me without me prompting, we need to treat mental illness and addiction Mm -hmm. before they get to us. And uh, Minnehaha County is working with the hospitals and everybody else come up with a triage system to try and keep people out of jail. Yeah. Uh, who have mental illnesses or what have you. The court, the court system and, and, and jails just aren't... They, you know, they're, they're not, not treatment a, facilities. They're not. Sadly, they've become that. You mm-hmm. know, uh, Sheriff Milstad, I think, is the largest mental health provider in the state of South Dakota today. Probably. We treat more people in our... We treat, well, and the, the Human Services Center won't take them. Right. You know, that's, we, we had 1,800 beds in the late 50s there, and now we have 280. So there's a reason for that. Well, the state of South Dakota is trying to put it out of business, but that's a whole different discussion. We're going to come right back and talk more with Tim Bjorkman, the Democratic candidate for the U.S. House of Representatives in South Dakota. 
We'll be right back. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 449 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we're talking with Tim Bjorkman. He is the Democratic candidate for the U.S. House of Representatives. And uh, we were chatting about health care there. And so just like in a minute or so to sum that up, what do you think we should do? What is your plan? Uh, We've identified problems, but how do we fix them? And I understand that's not enough time, but we're going to talk about other things. What's the one thing? Right. Well, take a little more than a minute, but let me touch on the big ones. We need to we need to uh, empower Congress to med- to negotiate with Big Pharma uh, on the price of its prescription drugs, and we need to allow importation of our own patented drugs back into this country so we can buy them at rates comparable to Mexico, Canada, uh, and Europe instead of the two to seven to ten times what we're now uh, Paying, uh, what, what they're now paying. I don't know of a single South Dakotan who thinks we should have to pay that for drugs we developed in this country. Uh, those are two big drivers of health care well, we costs. Well, we didn't develop them. I mean, they were developed generally by some of it's government funded, but a lot of it's private industry. Right. So, developed in this country yeah. under our patent laws. So, but, and so those countries, so those countries are uh, in many cases, subsidizing the importation of drugs developed by American companies, right? I mean, that's broadly, there's exceptions to that, but that's how it works. They're benefiting from, right. from our sure. work. So then, you know, we, we need to look at um, uh, creating competition for big insurance. There are a few insurance companies uh, that uh, they're doing quite well in the S&P 500, just like Big Pharma is. Uh, I like the Medicare option. And if you're on the bottom end of the income scale and you're trying to get healthy and get to work uh, and you need a little subsidy, maybe we should help you too if you can't quite afford buying Medicare. But I think we have to have this uh, clearly in mind that we've got to get people back into the workforce because um, the lack of workforce participation in our country is staggering. And those people don't show up in the unemployment numbers that seem so good. They're dragging down our economic competitiveness. They're slowing entrepreneurial expansion. It's vital for small businesses getting started that they have a way to get them covered without having to pay for them themselves. In fact, 94% of the jobs developed now don't come with health care. So we need to look at that. And then finally, we need to look at some simple things like price transparency. None of us would even order a hamburger in a cafe without knowing how much it costs. And uh, if we were given a toll-free number and told we could call it Monday to find out, you know, we'd think it was South Dakota allegedly has a site where you can compare prices. You know, That was uh, a law from 12 years ago, 10, 12 years ago. Yeah, and it's just not... it's, it's not healthy to have uh, a relationships where neither buyer nor seller has any clue what the price is going to be. And that's what it amounts to for most of us in South Dakota and all across the country. And then the final thing is there's a lot of things you can do with uh, unif- u- making uniform claims forms to bring them more into uniformity because we spend way more on claims adjusting uh, for provider costs and start to get the government a little bit out of the the, the uh, the healthcare providers' lives because it's gotten very complicated. Those are all things that can help mm-hmm. drive it down. Here's the bottom line: um, we rank, according to the Heritage Foundation, something like 12th in the world in terms of economic freedom. Ten of the 11 nations ahead of us have all found a way to get coverage to all their citizens, either through private, public, or some combination. And by economic freedom, you mean that the you're drawing a line between the people's ability to uh, pay for other things in their lives because they don't have to worry about health care. Right. Choices oversimplifying they, that. Choices they have to use uh, the most amount of their money. You know, they're free to use their money as they choose. They can't be, they're less likely to be crippled by uh, health care. Exactly. Okay. So we've got, to, we've got to come to the realization that this is the chief economic issue in our country and uh, the economic tapeworm that's eating away at our international competitiveness. Think of all the costs we're putting in, like 19% gross domestic product into our the products we make and sell internationally with other nations who are spending half that on their health care. And so we start out at a huge disadvantage that isn't acknowledged. That's a real trade barrier. That's a trade issue. Um, so we've got to come to grips with that. Um, we're going to have to stop there because we're out of time. And uh, But, you know, it's uh, uh, 
we have several weeks left until the general election, and I know we'll have you back sometime between now and November. Uh, uh, Mr. Bjorkman, thank you very much for coming in today. I really appreciate it. Great to be with you, Patrick. It was fun to be on your show. Come, we'll be right back after this short break. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Four fifty-eight on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. This Friday, the Sioux Falls Jazz and Blues Society presents Maryland Scott and the West Coast All Stars. Eight PM at the Orpheum Theater in downtown Sioux Falls. For more information on this and other events, go to the calendar at KSO.com. Coming up on the show tomorrow, Republican political anal- analyst and witness to Donald Trump history in Sioux Falls, Tony Reese. The Boone Man is our weird friend of the day, and blogger Pat Powers at Dakota War College will be here. We'll see you then. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO.